Welcome to this special edition episode of the Built Broadcast podcast. We're here with Tansy Jessup, the Pro-Vice Chancellor for Education, if you don't know, which I'm sure you do. Tansy, last time we were here, you had just started in your role as PVC Education, and we talked about your four-year plan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it does does, um, raise questions about the virtue of planning. Yeah, I think that was October 2019. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. It may even been later than that. So yeah, obviously a lot's, a lot's changed since then. So we're here today and we're going to talk about the education. I, I say education and student experience strategy refresh. Obviously we want to focus on the education side, but we can touch on the student experience side as well. I just thought that they're kind of packaged as one, aren't they? Yes, yeah. they are. And, and, you know, the educational and student experience you know are flip sides of the same coin in in a way they they inform each other all the way through yeah exactly yeah well I I think for students definitely they're completely intertwined yes yeah Yeah. when we spoke to students they don't obviously we working in the university we know the separate staff that kind of work and staff work across them but I think they're much more separate in our minds and to a student it's it's one in the same thing yes yeah yeah okay so um I think Think to start, let's just do, if you can do, if you don't mind, a, a quick high-level run-through of the strategy. That Brilliant, right? yeah. yeah. So a high-level run-through is, as you've said, it's a combined strategy. It's got six dimensions, and it's really about a, an exciting and vivid education for all students that lights the fires of their imagination. It begins with the overarching principle of being student-centred, and then it runs into the first educational component, although student-centred is educational. It's about co-creation and and partnership. Um, But that bit fleshes out quite a lot of um, student union and student experience bits. But the research-rich is the first sort of uh, classically educational component, and that's about an education which engenders curiosity and love of learning in our students through innovation, through active learning, through teaching excellence, and through joining up um, research and teaching in exciting ways. And, you know, we we do need to uh, be wary of a discourse that says that just happens automatically. Mm. You know, research is the air we breathe, therefore it's going to be in the air. Mm. I think it does require some design and some thinking. Uh, There's a sense in which it needs to be quite intentional. A lot of people feel, oh, research-rich education is I do research and I teach about it. It's much more than that. And it's about students uh, doing the elements of research and becoming insiders to a discipline and to its methodology methodology and to its thinking from the get-go. So it's all through their degrees. People focus on the dissertation, but I think it's you know, an inquiring mindset that enables students to ask questions and use methodological tools and theoretical uh, ways of thinking in the discipline to begin to tease out answers to those questions and more problems. Yeah. That's kind of research-rich education. And therefore, it's, it's, it's far more textured than me having um, a, a four-star paper on a field that I'm an expert at and therefore teaching my students about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I feel um, just in our work we've done with students, obviously the last few years we've done the Student Research Festival and we've done the Student Research Journal and we know the students that have been engaged with that is such a valuable experience for them. And just it changes the way that they see their work and they start to see what yeah. I'm doing is valid research and other people want to hear about it and I think that is 
transformational for students, yeah. definitely. I mean, those are two just brilliant events, you know, the, the journal, well, one's an event and one's a, one's a journal. But I think for me, the, the exciting thing about it is that researchers, uh, undergraduate researchers and some postgraduates have an audience and it's a real audience. So it's a kind of yeah. authentic experience for yeah. them of what research means. It's not something you file away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Okay, it's exciting that we're going to be doing more of that. Really mm. exciting. Okay, what's next? Oh, the, the next element of the strategy is really looking at our program portfolio and the way we teach. So Programs for a Changing World is a dimension of the strategy which says actually lots of things have changed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we need to... Um, you know, we need to be socially responsible in how we devise a portfolio of programs that meets the social and economic needs of our city, our region, and uh, addresses some of the grand challenges globally, okay. and also draws on some of our expertise uh, to get it out there. And in our strategy, the wider strategy, we've got all sorts of ambitions around the number of local students, the number of mature part-time students, uh, the diversity of students we attract. And part of the programs for a changing world is saying we need to be thinking not only of our undergraduate students who might arrive at 18 and leave at 21, 22, might go on to do a master's or a, a PGR, you know, a research degree, uh, but we need to think, be thinking about short courses, flexible learning, part-time learning, uh, the ways in which people mid-career want to shift gear, yeah. think about, hey, I, I, I may want to learn about this aspect. I may want to, you know, big data has suddenly become a big thing. Mm. I may want to think about data science as it applies to my discipline. Where can I do a, a, a three-month summer school and upskill on that? So all sorts of things like that, which kind of hinge into the vision for Temple Quarter, but are bigger than that. Uh, okay. The Temple Quarter New Campus, thinking about how we actually partner with uh, further education, how we partner with um, industry, with spin-outs, spin-offs, and, and create a curriculum that is relevant for a wider array of students and draws on our expertise. That's really the programs for a changing world. Uh, it's, it's an exciting and... You know, it, it, it's got some application to, to our, our systems because obviously at the moment we're set up for undergraduate, postgraduate yeah. taught, postgraduate research. Yeah. So, so it's quite a big beast, but it's certainly the direction of travel of the government. It uh, speaks to the whole idea of a talent and skills pipeline. It also speaks to a post-COVID, post-Brexit world and to the fact that we know in our region there's certain industries that are predominant. You know, you just need to walk around our buildings and see a bit of Wallace and Gromit and the mm, sort of yeah. media and creative <laughs> yeah. industries. You go out to Filton and you know that the sort of aerospace industries, yeah. we're close to Gloucester with cybersecurity. So there are all sorts of things that we specialize in um, that we could um, leverage to actually... Um, provide you know provide something for the public good in our region and city and globally okay so just touching on that globally is would distance learning and i'm not talking about like online and distance learning like mooc sort of thing is that the sort of thing that would be in scope there as well yeah absolutely so you know we've we've done some adventurous things you as built have done some really adventurous things around um 
the Bristol Futures Unit and yeah. the, the, yeah, the, the decolonisation unit yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, so you've done decolonising. You've also got um, innovation and global citizenship and yeah. you're thinking of sustainable futures. You've got big data, all sorts of exciting things. Migration Mobilities Bristol have done one. And so they, they're sort of really exciting one-off MOOCs for the public good. But I think we're also thinking about you know, could we have a footprint where we spread some of the um, exciting expertise we have at Bristol as distance learning courses? And our PVC Global started something a while ago around identifying about eight programs that really wanted to experiment with distance learning. We've got some already that exist, but we're expanding that a bit. Um, you know, we're never going to be the open university, but no. we, we can see some ways of expanding that. And I know that, uh, you know, Sarah Davies in, in Built is leading a distance learning hub where, they, where they're helping with learning design and the setup of those programs. Okay. So, so, yes, diversifying is part of that. Chain, programs for a changing world is, part, is partly about distance learning. So it's that global reach, but then also, like you said, the local reach. And they want example is the and i don't know if you're aware of it the english literature and community engagement degree fantastic yeah fantastic yeah. so that you know tom sperlinger's work and the work of uh, dr marie anna uh, gone all of and those teams that are actually saying you know coming into higher education there are different routes in uh there are different lengths you might stay yeah. And some of the stories of the participants on that yeah. uh, degree are just blow the mind. Yeah. You know, starting off from a very different position of our traditional students and ending up being top entrepreneurs or really exciting contributors to society and the economy. Yeah. Really, really fab. And as people, you know, it's not all about society and the economy. It's about personal development yeah, too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And just hearing some stories just from that mm. course in particular, it's it's exciting to think that we'll do more of that sort yes, of thing definitely yes, yeah definitely yeah. okay that's awesome all right so we've covered those first two what's the next one yeah so the the, the third uh, educational element is about dynamic learning environments and you know we know we've got langford campus um which is a, a sprawly beautiful bucolic campus um and then we've got clifton campus which is in its own way a bit city sprawly and uh, yeah. lots of sort of uh, villas and then some new builds and some exciting labs and and you know plans for the the, um, the library you know so, so so exciting stuff on Clifton campus and then we've got the the plans for Temple Quarter campus where you know you can hop off a train of at platform 15 and into a business school and a state-of-the-art you know CM1 uh, and of course the sheds have already will be built by March which contains all our sort of uh, Bristol Digital Futures Institutes. Well, so I don't know about the sheds. What are the my sheds? My World. And, um, so the sheds, I think it's BDFI and My World are contained there. So the sheds are a, a coal shed which has uh, been refurbished to contain um, uh, our reality em emulator and state-of-the-art uh, research facilities linked to uh, BDFI and um, My World projects about creative media and nice. engineering. Really exciting stuff. Look, I don't know enough to, <laughs> to, to talk <laughs> at length about them, but I've been there and just marvellous. Um, so there's, you know, and, and the other, the other um, part of the um, part of Temple Quarter is, of course, the, the new dental school building is in Temple Quarter. Oh, is it? So you've kind of got, you know, health sciences with the new dental school. You've got the 
the um, the sheds, and then you've got CM1, and then you know residential plans as well, because we always we know that accommodation is an mm. issue in Bristol. Yeah. Um, so so that's exciting. But I think the the dynamic learning environments is speaking more to the fact that across our three campuses, we now have a different approach to learning where there's you know before we would never have called you know going to lectures and seminars and laboratories in person but nowadays we talk very about true. in person you yeah know? Very and, true. and we don't want to have a binary we want to have education that's exciting but obviously people are doing education differently and some of it is digital some of it is digital and on campus some of it is informal learning and some of it is in structured formal events on campus and it's about the transitions between those and the spaces we create on campus that enable people to learn and chat and uh, pick up their headphones and follow a session uh, in a day that's varied and much more varied than it would have been in the past and, and, and much less structured in a way. Um, okay, so yeah. can I pick up on that? So I'm sure people listening are kind of going to be wondering about where we, where we stand next year with hybrid, and how much we're going to be back in person or online. And just speaking to students at the moment, I know from our student fellows, they in themselves have such different experiences. And some one of the students, everything is on person, um, and then one of them, ninety percent of what she does is online. Yeah. So, is there anything in the, in the strategy about that? Yeah. So it's not in the strategy, but it's in our guidance for next year. And I think one of the strongest things we are doing is a very strong uh, reinforcement of uh, the value of uh, the value of being together and being mm. in person. If you've signed up for uh, an in-person on-campus degree, you know, if you've signed up for an in-person on-campus degree, then a lot of your education needs to be in the interaction with others, eyeballing them, yeah. all the cues, all the visuals, all of that stuff. But it's expanded upon and amplified by the experience we have of a very rich digital environment that we can now use effectively. And I think a lot of students will attest to the fact that they've loved a lot of the you know asynchronous learning, which they flexibly pick up, which are little flipped learning videos, or other uh, quizzes or the interaction in class, in person, with digital tools. I think our lectures and seminars are likely to be much more interactive because we're now more at ease and familiar with digital tools for bringing students in and asking them questions while we're teaching in person. So there's a kind of blend that crosses, it's not a one-way transaction, you know, it's, it's kind of the digital enters the physical classroom, the physical stuff enters the digital realm. So I think we've got a more expansive, slightly messier education yeah. offer. <laughs> but it's potentially so much richer for student learning. Mm -hmm. One of the things I was struck by in the first Pulse survey we did in uh, 2020 when we'd kind of just engineered and our colleagues had done brilliant things in the, in the digital in learning environment and we were asking students to compare their online and in-person learning experience, and we had about 2,500 returns. And students were really uh, uh, underlining the value of what they'd learnt from some of the online offers. So I, I know we want more, we want social learning. We know from Vygotsky through that people learn socially, they learn from one another, they refine each other's thinking. Yeah. But you can do that online yeah. and you can do that in person. Yeah. And I think, what we're seeing is that we're going to have a, 
an environment, a dynamic learning environment, and that's why it's dynamic, because we're kind of moving between, we're not just moving between the Queen's Building and Senate House, we're moving between virtual and in-person. Yeah. So those kind of things really need to be sculpted and thought through in relation to the kind of physical campus we have. Uh, and part of that is, I think, the online uh, and, and digital learning has really drawn out more about collaboration. And so, you know, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but I think there's been, you know, the good learning design has enabled students to interact in, in you know, for me, the, the most exciting bit is that I think students have written more, but I think there's also been some interaction online that we, we need to create space for on campus. Sorry, yeah. I've witted on there. You haven't witted no. on there. No, I was just no. thinking thinking through some of the points yeah. that you were saying. I think, yeah, I think it's I think it's funny because I think now we're at a place where some of our students, you know, I guess they, they've a lot of them have been here in person this year, but most of the students have experienced either being online completely or like being hybrid. And I think they all have such different experience of it. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting making that more of a dynamic. Mm. I mean, one yeah. of the things we've written out of next year is the the classic definition of hybrid which is where you've got some students in person in the same room while some students are online yeah. and I think that's proven to be incredibly challenging yeah. to teach and to learn from and yeah. there's a disparity of experience between the in-person and the online there so I think we're separating that out okay um, but the the kind of rich experience that draws on digital or uh, enables people to have the in-person. The, the challenge for me as PVC education, and some of my colleagues are experiencing this, is um, how to re-engage students in person. Students are doing lots of social things on campus together, mm -hmm. uh, but I have it anecdotally that people are on record that, that students are attending less academic um, in, in events and encounters, lectures, seminars, labs. Uh, it's not uniform and we don't have the data on it, but I think across the sector, there's an anxiety that uh, the return is not gonna be as easy as we think it is. You know, it, we think of in-person now as golden time and as just so wonderful. And as we kind of return to something where we see one another, often again, it's exciting, but the return's not happening in the volumes and with the ease we might have expected it would? I think it it really depends on the students. So we did a hackathon at Christmas and we spoke to, there were some students, it wasn't a hackathon, we did a conference on accessibility and blended learning and we had some disabled students speak as part of the panel there and they said that they found that on, on doing uni online was life-changing and so much better for mm. them and they wanted it to stay the way that it was last mm. year and they were finding it so much harder now yes you know and yeah. and 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 that's amazing that they've they've been able to experience it in that way but it has created this like se separation now between the students and there are so many of them who do want to be back in person and do everything in person and then yeah it's I don't envy it you. Is, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think there may also be a, a, a look, and I'm, I'm no psychologist, but there may be a confidence issue yeah. uh, with people having kind of been locked away for a couple mm, of years yeah. and then coming out in an academic setting to sort of, you know, there, there's, 
there's an element to which people are no longer used to the jousting in an academic setting and mm. they might have been shy anyway and and then going back into that might be quite difficult yeah yeah for some not for everyone yeah i was at a wonderful launch of bristorian about two weeks ago the um the bristol history students journal and it was just buzzing there were hundreds of students in the lobby and you just thought oh, wow. this is wonderful yeah but then i chatted to a couple of the lecturers there and and we were chatting about in class and you know students attending is not as strong as it as it as it was potentially mm. before i think it's about making that in-person position unmissable yeah although i think it's not so much about the unmissable provision as something in you know i think some of that provision is unmissable and they're still not coming you okay know? that's yeah. so, so that's this that's for me the the wicked problem we face. Mm, and that's difficult to pick apart because there are so many factors that can oh, feed yeah, into that. Yeah. We're, in a, we're in very complex educational territory, aren't we? We, we are. Yeah, <laughs> we really, really, really are. Yeah. Okay, so, so um, oh, very conscious of the time. Um, very quickly now. <laughs> um, so, anyone listening to this, what, 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 can, what can they expect next and what support is going to be available for them f- to make these changes? Brilliant. So I think the, the first thing to say is we need to make this our living, breathing strategy. And to do that, I think people uh, will want to engage with BUILT. I know um, I, I, I actually had a bite of lunch with Sarah Davies today, and she was saying how they want to put flesh on the bones of the strategy in the BUILT website and in, in the events that BUILT runs so that uh, colleagues can kind of engage with elements of the strategy through BUILT. I think we're continuing to do our curriculum enhancement program with curriculum festivals and and TESTA. And in the um, Bristol Futures curriculum framework, uh, there's an enormous resonance with a lot of what's in the strategy. And so to some extent, what we're doing is we're playing one, one... with the other, okay. you know, there's a sort yeah. of synchronicity between the two of them. So I think engaging in those things will give people space and time and creative energy to think through how to apply some of these principles. I think another way in which uh, we will be thinking about how to implement the strategy is through the structure of the academic year, where we're hoping to work through with colleagues in cons- consultation with them a structure of the academic year which kind of brings home these pedagogic benefits by enabling uh, space and time for students and staff by kind of uh, pulling aside from some of the things that are distracting. So in the structure of the academic year uh, approach, we've got a kind of under the line, below the line activity, which says, where can we trim activities and any of the sort of bureaucratic administrative stuff that keeps us from doing the intellectually stimulating stuff. And then in the actual structure of the academic year, we're saying, you know, how can we pare down some of the assessment, create more room for formative assessment, for thinking um, more programmatically about joins between units, joins between assessment in a way that enable students to take on big challenging tasks in an integrated way with support so those are the sort of direction of travel now we've got some sort of project funding that we hope we can use to support staff 
and obviously we'll be working with feds and um, the faculty education directors and the school education directors and working with all the built uh, team and associates to try and embed some of these ideas. Are we looking at 22, 23? Yeah, it's a five-year strategy. Five-year. You're not, not going to... And we've got to sequence these activities. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. You, you began this podcast to say, uh, I had a four-year plan. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is an element to which we have to plan out and prioritize because we can't do everything. We've got to stop doing some stuff yeah. to do the meaningful and important things. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've, we're building on a fantastic ref outcome and we've got to sort of say... How do we, how do we take breath? Because people are tired. This has not been an mm. easy couple of years. No, it's no, been no. really challenging, mm. and I think we need to kind of carve out time and space to do the really meaningful things for our students and enable our staff to flourish as teachers in an environment where bandwidth is low. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. I think there's one thing we talked about four years ago and we still talked about today, which is the research rich. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're on that. We're on that. We're yeah, on that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And progress has been made there, definitely, yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't nod to the, the final two bits of the strategy, which are more student experience, but are about sense of belonging and supporting students to thrive. And, you know, that we can do inside and outside of the curriculum, you know, sense of belonging, doing more sort of team team building with students and more group peer activities peer-led activities really does enable students particularly if it's formative and particularly if it's kind of projecty enable students to kind of feel like they belong there's this american research which um says that if a student uh, knows in a meaningful way and has is able to have conversations with one academic and two peers they land up being much happier at university and those are sort of academic conversations mm. and i think we've got to build a a framework uh, where uh, even though we're a university with 31,000 students it kind of feels small and beautiful and they feel known in this environment and i think that's what we so it's about knowing students names you know on zoom we see their names we can see what they're called um but knowing one another's names and finding seminar or lab times where people feel known is going to be really important for uh, well-being, sense of belonging, a feeling like uh, an energizing, relational, you know. University is not just about knowledge and knowing and rational stuff. It's also about um, the affective and about the relationships you build mm. um so we, we we've we've got to strengthen that in all of our teaching and you know and i think i think we've been helped a bit by um some of the things we've learned through the last couple of years yeah yeah i'd agree we're mm. actually going to do a hackathon i don't know if, if you know in summer in july and we're going to look at teaching and learning and assessment and how they impact a sense of belonging fantastic brilliant so i'll have to tell you about it when we do it yeah, you must. <laughs> yeah. okay right we should wrap it up there super um but thank you so much Tansy. It's, no, been, it's been a pleasure it's been lovely chatting yeah it has thanks amy all right thanks cheers